listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are continuing on in our series called Left on Red. Now, if you missed last week or this was your first time here, or if you're an older person like myself, you're like, what are you talking about, dude? What's left on red mean? And basically what that means in the young text person world is somebody read the message that you sent them, but they did not respond. And so we're applying that to these seven churches, this letter that was written to each one of these seven churches and seeing, did, really, did people respond or how should we respond to it? How do we apply this to our lives? Remember, these letters weren't written to us, but they are for us. And they're for us to learn and to gain knowledge from as we continue to, to move forward in understanding uh, who God is and, and what he's doing. So my hope for this series is that you're like, yep, cool, I understand things, I get things a little better, I understand some cultural topics and context, but I also understand how I can take this word and apply it to my life today. How I can be transformed by God's word, something that was written almost 2,000 years ago, and have it change my life today because his word can do that. So we're here not just for the, uh, the uh, we're here for the application of God's word, not just the awareness of it or familiarity of it, or to say that you checked off your box and you went to church. So I want to do something with you now. We're going to read this scripture passage three different times today, but the first time we're going to read it without any context behind uh, this, the, where, who it was written to and those things. But I want you just to pretend with me, if you will, that you are here in your fabulous Christian community. Maybe you're a Smyrnaite. Or you're a Palusite. That's probably better. You're a Palusite. You are on the Palouse, possibly. And you get this amazing letter that's uh, written to you from your Savior. And I want you to hear this letter. And we'll, again, we're going to do this three times. But I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to imagine that you're sitting there in uh, whatever synagogue or wherever you're at in your church in Smyrna. And you get to hear this letter, and I want you to hear it with fresh eyes for the first time. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. But be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. I don't know about you guys, but when I was reading that this week in that context, I was like, whoa, 
that's pretty heavy. What does this look like? What is going on in this church? What is happening? And I fought through that a little bit. I'm like, okay, what is, what is happening, Lord? What are you saying to these folks? Let's go into the context. Let's take a look at this map. We're going to leave it up here for a little bit so we know where we are. And, and, and geography is really important. Uh, so we talked about Ephesus last week, and Adam did a great job talking about Ephesus and introducing us uh, to this. So here's Ephesus. And about 40-ish miles north-northwest is the one we're talking about today, Smyrna. Smyrna. And so when you think about this, like you can see the topography here, like it is not easy traveling. You got to find valleys. Like it's like, okay, we're going to Missoula and we got to walk. Well, bummer. Like, which way are we going to go? We're going to go through Highway 12. We're going to go through I-90. No, we're walking. Like, well, what's the easy path? So uh, Turkey is, is mountainous. It, I mean, you close your eyes, you think you're in, you think you're in uh, northern Idaho or western Montana. It's, it's a beautiful country, but this port, the ports are so important for connection and access. So it was founded in the 11th century BC. So it's 1,100 years before Christ. It's founded as this small village, Old Smyrna. And uh, the name Smyrna comes from uh, what, they, what they think from is you hear the word uh, myrrh. You know, remember gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? And so they think that, that this was a place that was a major exporter of myrrh. And so you think about that maybe the myrrh that was brought to Jesus might have come through Smyrna. There was a coin that was found and everybody's competing for greatness here. Ephesus wants to be the best city. Uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea, uh, Sardis, Thyatira, Perth. They all want to be like the great cities. And so everybody's competing. And there's a coin found that says, first in Asia in both size and beauty. Now, we don't know if that's all true, but they thought pretty highly of themselves. Smyrna is famous for its architecture and flowers, and beautiful things, including men and women. Like, this is the place. This is like the, the Hollywood. This is like the, the uh, whatever you think of a location that has beautiful men and women, outside of ours, obviously. Uh, like, this is the place that you want to go. And it's like, oh, Smyrna. You'd be like, oh, you're going to Smyrna. Wow. So this is a place where the eye is very tempted. The city had two deep water harbors, which is really cool. Two deep water harbors. And it grew to be a very wealthy city. Now, it had lots of ups and downs to this point. It's been flattened by earthquakes. It's been dominated by kings. But it has this great history, and it became a very wealthy city. If you go directly west from Smyrna, you run into, it's the closest port to, like, Europe. You run into Athens pretty quickly if you go directly west. So you could get goods from there. There's, this is just, like, a premium location. And in its time, it had 150 to 200,000 people, so similar to Ephesus, and that is giant in the ancient world. Rome was the first city to get to a million people. The next city that got to a million people was Paris, and that was 1,200 years later. So 150 to 200,000 people is huge. Um, the, the, let's take a look at a current-day picture of uh, Izmir, so this is Smyrna today. Remember, you looked at Ephesus, and you look on a map, and you look at Ephesus, and this, it was the darling city of everything, right? And it's really well excavated. Smyrna's not very, very well excavated. You know why? Because it's still a city on top of it. There's so much you can't get to because you'd have to remove parking garages. 
This place is location, location, location. It is still location today. You see the uh, ships out in the harbor. This place is still happening. It's the third largest city in Turkey. All surrounding Smyrna. So you know that the location was stellar. Has three to four million people there today. And at the time that this letter was coming, these cities were in a pressure cooker. All of the cities were in a pressure cooker from Rome. Rome was expanding. Rome was the thing. Rome was on top of it. There is so much pressure to be Roman. And this city specifically was stellar at being Roman. So stellar that it became what they call a free city at one point. It became free to govern itself because it was already fully Roman. And so this is a pressure cooker. All of these cities that we're going to talk about, there's a pressure cooker of going on. Is you want to be Roman or do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be Roman or do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to have comfort and and, uh, spas and running water and you want to have all of these cool things that we take for granted that Rome could do and all of this great stuff or do you want to be a servant of the Most High God? Like totally different than our culture now. I'm so Roman. I'm so Roman. I'm so Alexander the Great for comfort. And there's this battle going on. And they're trying to figure out how to, the people that are in Smyrna are trying to figure out how do I live in this oppressive culture that's against what I'm about. How do I not follow this regime and I follow the teachings of Jesus? And you see little hints to it back in the text where in in what we read there is this hearing and seeing, and you'll see this all throughout our our letters we're going to study. And you first kind of find this, not first find it, but you find it in Ezekiel 12, 2. It says, the son of man, you are living among rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are rebellious people. And that is the battle of the people in all of these cities, in, in Smyrna specifically as well. Hold on to what, do I hold on to what God values or do I hold on to what I value? Do I hold on to what the world values or do I hold on to what Jesus values? And that is a real life struggle today, is it not? So now, this city intensely loyal to Rome, every time there is a, uh, a Roman emperor uh, that is born or that comes to power, uh, they are worshiped as a god now. And so there would be things like the emperors were addressed as Lord, our God. Familiar language. I don't think we address any of our current emperors or past emperors as Lord, our God. God and Lord from birth, the bringer of salvation. Can you imagine that meeting uh, a high up official or governor of Idaho? You're like, oh, the bringer of salvation. Very, very nice to meet you, sir. The sick are made well and the blind will see. Thank you, Domitian. The rise of the ocean will begin to slow and our earth will begin to heal. Thank you, mighty emperor. Placing them in a position of God. Now, if you chose to not worship that God, there were dire consequences for you. And you paid a very high price in persecution and crucifixion and you got to be human torches and you got to be sent off to the Roman Colosseum and played with by lions. 
This is all that period. And the emperor was just one more person in line of a bunch of other people who continued to try and make themselves God. That is the culture that the people in Smyrna are confronting. Next picture. This is the site I went to when I was in Turkey. As you can see, you have a beautiful parking garage right next to it. It's a very small site. A lot of people skip this site when they go to Turkey on trips because there's not like a whole bunch to see in, in a sense because it's all underneath the city still. There's so much built around it, similar to, I think, Philadelphia that we'll talk about in a, in a number of weeks. Uh, so you go here and it's a site. And you're like, okay, this is no Ephesus. As an American, you're like, this isn't very impressive. Ephesus, I got to see this. How come they haven't fixed all this? Why haven't they gotten this all taken care of? I don't know, because they don't want to move people. They want to take down businesses and clear out a, a huge area here. And this, this, this is just some of the stuff they found. This town is crushed by, by dominating kings. In 600 BC, it's actually crushed back down to a village. It was like happening, and then it's crushed back down to a village. And maybe there's something in the text that could give us a clue as we read that story uh, again. When we go to read that story again, you'll be like, oh, death and life, death and life, death and life. They knew death and life. So let's read this again with different eyes, with a different background of understanding who these people were and what they were living under in that pressure cooker. To the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last. New emperor, new emperor, new emperor, new emperor. Worship this new guy, new guy, new guy, new guy. First and last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who died and came to life again. Crushed rose up, crushed rose up, crushed rose up, oppressed rose up. Oh, yeah. Jesus, you were crushed. You were buried. You were killed. And you rose up. I know your, your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. There is no reason that anybody who lived in Smyrna had to be poor. Not during these times. This is a wealthy city. The problem was, if you didn't worship the gods and all the temples and different things that they had there, you weren't in the club. And if you weren't in the club, you probably couldn't sell your wares. They had guilds and guild feasts and all these things where you would have to worship certain things to, to be part of the union. And in order to be part of the union and get that dirt contract or whatever contract that was, you'd have to do things that would go against your faith. So you'd have to choose whether or not you wanted to feed your family or go against your faith. So there's no reason they need to be poor, but he, Jesus said, I know your afflictions and you're poor, yet you are rich. And that's one thing I want you guys to think about today. I want you to think about your definition of rich. What you've been taught about being rich. What does that look like in your life? Because he says you're, you're, you're poor, but I, yet I know that you're rich. Next one. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are, an, are a synagogue of Satan. They're being slandered. 
They're being slandered by some of their kind of ish own people. They might be being sold out by some of their own people. And Jesus doesn't take very kindly to that when he calls it a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Just 10 days. Literal 10 days? I don't know. 10 days, the number of completion. There's all kinds of little uh, uh, rabbit trails you can run off here, but you will suffer till, till completion. You could say it that way. Oh, I would like to know when completion is because I'm not a big fan of suffering. Next, be faithful. Even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Guess what Smyrna loved to do? Sports, entertainment, wreaths. You're winning. You won. Good. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You won. Oh, yeah. Let's worship. Let's worship the people who are really good at stuff that we. Totally different than us. I will give you life as a victor's crown. I will show you what winning looks like, is what Jesus says. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you know that they, all of these churches will get to read each other's letter? You get to read what they say about Pullman or Lewiston. Boy, they got problems. Those people on that side, they got problems. Not us. You get to read and learn about other churches, and do you think there's value for that as well? The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So this is one of the churches that doesn't get the real spanking from Jesus. You like that? You know, you'll notice the phrasing in some of the other churches, about, but yet I hold this against you. And we'll continue to go through that. But Jesus is like, I don't really hold anything against you. You got a rough road. You can make it though. Don't be afraid. It's a letter of encouragement and acknowledgement of what they're going through. Doesn't it feel good when somebody acknowledges what you're going through? When they actually hear you and listen to you and understand what's going on and they're like, man... That's a tough spot to be in. I'm really sorry for you that you're in a tough spot. Can I sit with you? I don't have anything to, to fix this. All I have is a hallelujah. But can I just sit with you and acknowledge that you're in a tough spot? You're, you're not there alone. I'll be with you. And Jesus sits with this church. You ever heard that idea that like being in the center of God's will is the safest place to be. Anybody ever told you that lie before? If you read the Bible, you're like, that doesn't seem like that's the safest place to be. Let me go down the list of people that it didn't work out in a real safe manner for. And do you think that, uh, that our, our, uh, our being invited into God's kingdom is all about our safety, all about our earthly safety? It's not. It's not about our comfort. And the church in Smyrna was not comfortable. It's being persecuted and Jesus acknowledges it and knows it. 
it will continue to be persecuted, and Jesus knows it. So you still want to be a Christian? We, it's hard for us to know persecution in America. It's difficult. For the most part, we're not worried about a bomb hitting our, our church service today because we're here. Our persecution is different. It's like we're in a pressure cooker. We're just in a different pressure cooker. And it's been going on for a long time. And sometimes it doesn't feel like there's so much pressure because we've just been in it for so long. But we're in the pressure cooker of comfort about how comfortable we can be in our life, in our chairs, in our faith, with the AC going down, it's beautiful, all of these things. We're in, the, we're in the pressure cooker of comfort over kingdom. And some of us may be called to get uncomfortable as we move forward. And I see this in the church of Smyrna where it's acknowledged and they understand that it's not about our comfort. See, when, a, when, when we're doing the, the work of the church, when we're reaching the world for Jesus 1% of the time, oh yeah, we had another baptism I heard about. They didn't even check with me and see if they could baptize somebody. Can you believe that? Another one that was reached for the world 1% at a time, praise God, last week. And we're making biblical disciples in relational environments. That is a church that should be on target. And I mean on target in two things, a good target that we're heading to and also a a church that will be targeted. That church will be attacked. But if we're pointing fingers at each other or being focused on what some other church is or isn't doing, then Satan's already winning. He doesn't have to go after those churches that are internally focused. See, if you're in here today, there's a fairly high chance that you maybe already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't, talk to me. Talk to, someone, some, talk to your neighbor sitting right next to you. Ask them if they know Jesus. But there's a fairly good chance that like, the work here like, is good and we come here to, to gather, but then also to go out there and scatter this week. And to scatter into the kingdom that God has prepared for us around here. We all have a common enemy who wants chaos. Chaos in your job. Chaos in your family. Chaos in your community. Maybe chaos in the state, chaos in the country. Let's stir it up. More chaos. Let's get these people really hating each other a lot because they think differently. That's just, yeah, yeah, that's what's safe. Yeah, that's, oh, now they're really angry at each other. Oh, now they're doing all these, all right. See, the enemy wants all of us to be in chaos. As we read the text, we should understand there's quite a bit of chaos in the text. Following Jesus is not about our comfort. It's not about our comfort. It's not an easy path. It will require sacrifice and change. I come and follow me uh, and go and make disciples, right? And go baptizing them in the nations, right? All those things. Come, uh, um, I will uh, uh, come and follow me and I will make you. How many people think being made is easy? 
being molded, being changed, having your heart softened towards other people. Making The making of Josh Gray has not been comfortable for Josh Gray. And I bet you you could probably say the same thing about yourself as God makes you, because it does require change. But it's the, it's, the, it's the right path. Finishing up here, I want to talk to you guys about someone you know, that, that you would have maybe have heard of. The governor of Smyrna in 650 BC, or 650, uh, 65 AD. You guys know who that is? Me neither. But here's somebody you might know who is. There's a guy named Polycarp. And Polycarp was a bishop in Smyrna. And there was letters written to Polycarp like, get out of there. (laughs) That's not a good place for you to be. But he was in this persecution. And so the story of Polycarp's death goes like this, is uh, he uh, would not renounce Jesus and he would not honor the Roman emperor as God. And that led him to a really bad spot. And so they were uh, getting ready to uh, burn him at the stake. They have this, the, this, uh, this phrase, uh, uh, prene, which is like where you put a bunch of, fi- uh, of fuel. You put a stake in there and you put a bunch of fuel around there, which would be wood and whatever else you wanted to burn somebody with. And they had a stake there. And so Polycarp, before he went to the stake, he invited the folks that were going to kill him in for dinner. They had a nice dinner together. Um, the Romans knew his faithfulness so much that they didn't need to tie him to the stake. He was not going to run away. And the people of the community who were non-believers loved him so much, they were asking him as he's going to get onto his pile of wood to be burned to death, just recant, just recant, just recant. We love, you're a great man, just recant. And, he, and Polycarp says this, He says, uh, 86 years I have served my Lord. Why? And he has never done me wrong. Why would I abandon him now? And they begged him to recant his faith, but he would not. He prayed over his captors. He climbed on the place to die. The Romans, again, they didn't even tie him there, and they lit the fire up, and there's other stories of, like, the fire would not touch him. He's, like, standing there waiting to be burned up, and the fire wouldn't touch him, so they had to kill him a different way. But that story's still being talked about thousands of years later. Somebody willing to die for something that's so precious to them. I asked you earlier, what are you rich in? I want to read the story one more time as we've seen what God has for us in this church today and now as it connects to the church of Smyrna. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and last. We serve the Alpha and the Omega. Who died and came to life again. We serve a resurrected king. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. We're very rich here. We're very rich. And more than dollars and more than buildings and more than all those things, we are very, very rich. I want you to think about what are you rich in? I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. We occasionally don't get talked about positively. 
we don't do everything right. But we will get talked about in a negative viewpoint, especially when we're for the king of kings. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. What is your victor's crown? What are you most concerned about passing on to your family? Got your will, you got your stuff put, you know, passed through and all the other good stuff to get them your stuff? Or do you want to pass through your faith? Have you put more time, energy, and effort in, in preparing your assets to transfer or your character to transfer? Question I'm asking myself. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. I think this church was rich in God's grace. And that's a good thing to be rich in. I think that their treasure was in heaven, not here on earth. I'm rich in family. Been pretty rich in food. Been fortunate to be in a place of peace. I'm pretty rich with a lot of faithful people around me. Faithful to the Lord. Faithful to tell me the hard things. Bold enough to tell me the hard things. Faithful in a church that prays. We have a church that prays. You get prayed for a lot. We are rich, more rich than we know. I think I'm going to throw in the hot tub story. I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you this story, but I'm going to throw in the hot tub story for you. As I'm preparing for this message and suffering greatly for the kingdom, I'm sure, um, I was, uh, Carrie and I had done a fair amount of sweat equity on our house and are still doing that. My blisters, if you can see those, I work. Um, and uh, I've, we had planned this place for a hot tub. And it's all about the hot tub and you research and hot tubs and this and that and blah, 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 blah. Comfort, comfort, Roman, Roman, Roman bath. All right, cool. Here I am. And so we we waited a, a short eight months, to, seven months to get the hot tub because they're on back order because it's really inconvenient for us to get our stuff right now. You know how hard it is to have to wait for stuff? Such suffering, Lord, we're suffering. We're just suffering. So we get this hot tub thing, and it's, it's cool. It's got, like, oh, LED lights and cup holders and this and these seven jets, and this thing does this thing, and it has, like, all this cool stuff. It's very nice. And we are sitting out there the last couple nights, and I was thinking about this idea about being rich. I could have been sitting in a $4.99 kiddie pool with my wife, and I would have been the richest man in the world. Because God, we had, first of all, we had to have great discussion. But the, uh, what God was painting in his world that he created is the richest thing I've ever seen. And for him to allow me to live in this world, and for him to allow me to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, 
is wealth beyond what you can imagine. Because that hot tub's going to be gone in 12 years, 15 years, however long they last. And my house will be gone, or wherever we hand it off to, that we get the chance to steward it to, to give it to somebody else. But it probably, I, I kind of helped build it. Probably ain't going to be here in 300 years. But that view in God's creation has been here for eternity. And I think you need, well, I, need, I need to think of richness in eternity. And what we're passing on to our family in eternity. And that's why we get to talk about Smyrna. is because people were rich in their faith. And they stood by what they understood about Jesus. They received the victor's crown. Be faithful even when it's hard. Look beyond yourself to a real victory. Stay the course. Be rich. Accept the richness that God gave us. So let's take this time to be very, very rich and to join with each other in community or in communion. And so we have communion. If you're new here with us, uh, we celebrate communion every week. And uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we ask you to partake. We have uh, some guys coming down the aisle. Just raise your hands. If you missed it, they'll get you some right here. It's very delicious. But we take this time every week in a church like this to bring it back to the center of who God is in our life and what he did on the cross. That this should reset our idea of richness. We're not America rich. We're kingdom of God rich. Amen? And that kingdom has been here since the beginning and it will continue on as long, as, uh, long after our kingdom is gone. And so we need to focus on the richness of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took this bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's be rich. Rich in Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it and remember it's me. Let's remember how rich we are with our king. Father, I just ask that you just have your hand upon every person in here. I know we have beautiful worship. I know we were worshiping out to you, Lord, and just saying hallelujah. Praise be God. And that we would be content in every circumstance. Lord, help us to be content in how you've created us for richness, that we would value the things that you would value and those would be at the top of the priority list to pass on, that we would have a true identity of what it looks like to be rich in walking with you, rich in hearing from you, and rich in your grace, mercy, and love because we are rich. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.